Good evening. Turn over to First uh, Timothy chapter four. If you uh, remember, a few weeks ago uh, it was the last time we studied in First Timothy, and the last time we looked into Paul's teachings to Timothy in his first letter to this young preacher, we were looking at the obligations for the young preacher, the things that he ought to be doing, things that such as training for godliness, toiling and striving because of the hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. That's what Paul tells Timothy in verse 11 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And then he says to command and teach these things. Now in the next verse, verse 12, where we'll focus our lesson this evening, Paul begins with an encouragement. He says, let no one despise you for your youth. Now there's much to say about that. In fact, there could be a full sermon on just that statement alone. But we're not going to go into that tonight. What Paul is talking about here, and and what's important to note, is that God can use people of all ages to complete His work on earth. We can learn much from those who are younger than than us, and we shouldn't neglect the young people in the church because of the perspective that they bring to the church. I read something on Facebook a few weeks ago that uh, the older Christians today are focused on the doctrine, focused on what the Bible says and, and, and everything that we've been taught in it. And the young Christians today are focused on helping the poor and saying that we need to get out and, and help people. And the point of the post was that they're both right and we should be doing both things. But without the young people bringing that to light, we may lose sight of that side and that aspect of our roles on this earth as Christians. Times change. People and generations change. The gospel, however, does not change. God does not change. The church will waste away if we don't encourage our youth to do the same as Paul is encouraging this young preacher Timothy to do, to uh, train himself in ways of godliness, of, of righteousness. It says that in a few verses uh, before that we talked about a few weeks ago. To listen to what they have to say about the culture around us, the culture that they're a part of. If we're not reaching the young people in the world, then we're not going to survive as a church because the young people is what are, are who keep the church going in future generations. Remember, as what God said to, uh, in Malachi that we studied uh, a couple weeks ago as we ended our sermon series in the Minor Prophets about God de- hating divorce and the reason why man and woman come together and be married is so that they can produce godly offspring so that generation after generation can continue in the faith. It's another reason why social media is so important in the church. It's something that I wrote about in our bulletin note this morning. So if you haven't had a chance to pick one of those up, uh, go ahead and do that. But uh, after Paul encourages Timothy to not let his age or his experience deter him, he then sets forth the encouragement to be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now the word example comes from the Greek word tupos, and it's used here in the sense of being a pattern, an example, something that is seen often. It's something that others are to follow. 
Now, before we look into the sort of example Paul has in mind, let's first stress that Paul is not the only person who ought to be an example. While Paul is writing to Timothy here, it is not just Timothy who is to be an example to the believers. This verse and the example that is described is given for those who ought to be examples. And I believe the Bible outlines three different sets of people, three different groups, who should be examples. And the first that we see right here in this exchange between Paul and Timothy is that ministers or preachers or evangelists or whatever they're called, they are to be examples for others. Paul also encourages another evangelist in Titus chapter 2, verses 7-8, through 8, where Paul writes, "...show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned." so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. It's very similar to what he says to Paul or to, to Timothy. Now certainly the men who are in, position, who are in the position to, to minister and proclaim the gospel should set a good example for others. So if the minister should do this, then certainly the men who oversee the work of the church, who oversee the flock, should be examples as well. And Paul charges the elders of this, not Paul, Peter, Peter charges the elders with this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-3. through 3. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So elders should set good examples. And the Hebrew writer encourages believers to look to this example of the elders and follow their faith. Chapter 13, verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of, the way, of their way of life and imitate their faith. So ministers and elders should provide good examples so that others may follow that example. So if others are to follow that example, this implies that by following the example that all faithful Christians should be providing an example as well. And this is certainly true of mature Christians, those who have been Christians for many, many years. This is what Paul speaks to in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 15 through 17, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any if in anything you think otherwise, God reveal that God will reveal that also to you. Let us, uh, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Paul is speaking in us to the elders, the older, the mature, the apostles, the example that they were setting. The Christians were to follow. And this doesn't only apply to mature Christians. The new Christians in Thessalonica were examples to those around them as well, as Paul details in his first letter to them in chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And as we see in Paul's encouragement to the young preacher Timothy, that age doesn't matter either when it comes to who should be examples. So all Christians, young or old, should strive to be examples to one another and to the world. Because as Christ said, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, so we must let our light shine 
and be the Christian example or the influence that the world needs. Now let us consider the kind of examples that we should be. But set in the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. So let's start with the example that we need to be in our speech. Other translations uh, may have in word here. Uh, be, uh, set the believers an example in word. Uh, now some believe this refers to personal conversation and how we talk. Now Paul wrote about this several times, especially to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 and in verse 31 they say, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And a lot of the things that Paul says should be put away from you in that verse are all things that come from your mouth. Of course, we know about James and taming the tongue. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4 reads, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then there's Paul's exhortation to the Colossians in chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Salt of the earth, right? Jesus himself is the perfect example of this. Now, we are to imitate Christ. That's our goal. So if we do that, then we must set an example in how we speak. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, an observation is made about Christ. And about his speech, Luke writes, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Even when rebuking, Jesus was gracious with his words. So that's one way that in speech or in word can be translated. But but others believe that this is speaking about doctrine. To set an example in the things that one teaches, that one should teach only the truth, that which God's Word provides. And that would certainly tie into other exhortations that, that Paul makes to the young preacher in this chapter, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, both in verse 6, and then in the following verse uh, from verse 12, verse 13, um, and also all the way down to, to verse 16. Paul talks about doctrine. So whether Paul is speaking directly to private conversation or, or to the doctrine that we speak or, or teach, Christians, both young and old, new and mature, should set an example of speaking the truth gracefully. So we should be sharing the truth, we should be teaching the proper things from doctrine, but we should be doing so with a calm demeanor, a graceful demeanor. We should also be examples in conduct, Paul says. The way we speak to others, or, or what we just talked about, our speech, that's a part of this. That's a part of our conduct, what people see about us. But this, this, uh, this specifically, conduct, is speaking to our manner of life, as the Greek word translates to. And our conduct should demonstrate meekness and wisdom, as James points out in his letter in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Our conduct should display holiness, reverence, and purpose. And Peter talks about this in 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, meaning what you were before you became a Christian. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Now, not only is our conduct to be an example to the believers, but it's an, it's an, it's, it is honorable among the believers as well. And the impact that our conduct has on those <coughs> excuse me, who are not a part of the church is a stepping stone for them to seek out the knowledge of the gospel. They see the conduct in you befitting that of holiness, of godliness, and they're more likely to rely on you to seek out the gospel. The next example that we should set is one of love. Now, the Greek word for love here is agape love. That's the self-sacrificing, all-encompassing love that we've talked about uh, many times. Now, this love is to be obvious within our conduct, should be obvious within our speech, and it should be aimed toward God and our brethren, right? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And we should show love toward both God and those who God loves. And of course, Jesus' statement about the second greatest command of loving your neighbor or loving your enemy as Christ loves us. In a world where love is often missing or love is misinterpreted or redefined to mean something completely different, Christians should be doing everything that we can to show the love of Christ, to be the example that He set for us, the example that He gave us Himself, that He showed for the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Next, we should... Set the believers an example in faith. And something we sort of touched on earlier when talking about why elders should be setting these examples as well. Now the word that's used here in the Greek is is pistis, which means uh, either the belief one has, so a belief in God, it's what we've been talking about, or started talking about at least, uh, this morning in our new sermon series, or it can mean uh, the faithfulness of one's character, the faithfulness of the individual both of which should be true about Christians. Now, as we talked about this morning, Christians should have a strong belief or faith in God and Jesus. Without it, we cannot please God. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Faithfulness and dependability is something Christians should set an example of as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes, Moreover, it is required of servants of Christ that they be found trustworthy, dependable, faithful, Do you mean what you say? Do you say what you mean? That's what we're talking about here. An example of faith is something that can benefit the brethren, especially if someone sees your faith thrive in times of hardship, so that when they face their own hardships, they have an example to strive for. They have someone to turn to, someone they can rely on to help them through maybe a a similar situation. Now, the final example that we should set is in purity. Now the word used here is used only one other time in the Greek text, and it comes from Paul, and it's 2 Timothy in chapter 5, verse 2 of 1 Timothy. And it means sinlessness of life or purity. 
And it can, of course, lend itself to either sexual or moral purity, both in thought and act, which seems to be the idea of the word and what Paul is trying to get across, that uh, we should be pure in our thoughts, we should be pure in our actions, whether it be morally speaking, which we talked about a little bit this morning, or even sexually. Paul would instruct Timothy later in his second letter that all Christians should flee youthful lusts and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, etc. A pure heart is what the Lord seeks. And it's one of the many examples that we should provide for both those in the body of Christ and those who are in the world. Now, all of these things that Paul encourages (coughs) Timothy to set an example of um, are all really, in part, reflections of the fruit of the Spirit. And it speaks to the power of the gospel that it can impact our words. It can impact our conduct, our love, our spirit, our faith, and our purity. What kind of Christians would we be if everyone followed our own example in all of these things? Maybe that's something that we can think about. When we may be setting a bad example with someone at work or at school or in public, If one of our brethren were nearby, would that be a Christ-like example for our brother or sister? What kind of church would we look like if the example that you set outside of this building was mirrored by those within the congregation? I hope that challenges you this week to kind of think on that as you meet different situations. And I hope it motivates us to examine our lives and correct the things that may be causing us to lose our influence or or weaken our reflection of Christ in the world. Now, several months ago, I finally got the opportunity to read through A Muscle and a Shovel. If you haven't read that book, I strongly encourage you to. But in that book, there is two main characters, really. The author of the book and Russell. I think it's Randall. Randall. Started with an R, I was close. I'm a dad now, so I can get names wrong. It's legal now. Um, But Randall, he had all of these things. He set these examples in what he did every day in the office. And people saw that. People looked at him and said, hey, that guy's a Christian. You got a question about the Bible, you go to Randall. Is that, are we that person in the world? Are we that person at our workplace, in our school? That's what Paul is talking about with Timothy here. With Timothy, he's talking about being an example for the believers, but that goes well beyond the church. It goes well beyond our congregation. It goes to us in the world. We're not to be just Christians in, in name. We're not supposed to be just these examples when we're here in this building with our brethren. We're supposed to be this example all the time. We're supposed to reflect Jesus. We're supposed to imitate Jesus in the world. And so tonight, and as we go throughout the rest of this week, I want to challenge you to really stop and think about the example that you're setting for others. When someone looks at you, do they see someone that they can rely on to ask questions about the gospel, to get the truth? So tonight, if the church can assist you with any of these things that we've talked about, or if you have another need 
that we can help you with, including your decision to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Won't you come now while we stand and sing?